welcome to Conversations on Wealth, hosted by Richardson Wealth, a podcast dedicated to helping Canadians with your total financial picture. Our approach is unique. We examine wealth through a multidimensional lens in order to offer you integrated strategies to grow and preserve the legacy that you have built. I'm Sarah Whitmire, Director of Wealth Strategies at Richardson Wealth, and this week we're discussing alternative investments. Joining me today is Roman Margay, Vice President of Alternative Investments at Richardson Wealth. Welcome, Roman. Thank you very much for having me. So alternative investments sounds like an exciting topic. Well, I think so, but I guess I'm a bit biased. So. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, um, it is used as a strong complementary piece to some clients' portfolios, but they might not know what opportunities are available to them. Um, Roman, a natural starting point for this conversation is probably what are alternative investments? It sounds like this big kind yeah, that, of scary absolutely. thing. How, how does it work? Absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. And actually myself, I, I don't love the all-encompassing alts because alternatives doesn't really suggest what exactly what you're looking at. But what financial the financial sector deems to be uh, alternative investments would be private real estate and infrastructure, uh, private equity and venture capital. Okay, hold on. So private private equity meaning what? What Those, is private equity? So it's equity. You're, you're buying companies, but it's not listed stocks and bonds, right? Okay. Uh, so it's in the private market. It's not traded on an exchange. Okay. Uh, venture capital is essentially the same type of idea, except it's earlier stage investments. Okay. Uh, and also hedge funds, obviously, are, are considered alternatives. And, and hedge funds themselves are a very broad and highly diversified group of funds. Uh, so... It is a very large spectrum span because if you look at it, real estate or private real estate really has nothing to do with a global macro hedge fund. Uh, yet they are grouped in the in the same category, and their uses are completely different, and the people who should use them are com- uh, trying to accomplish completely different goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, most hedge funds would be dealing in trading stocks or bonds or both uh, on exchanges. Uh, except what they do versus a regular mutual funds tends to be slightly more complex. So they will they will add things like shorting of stocks. They will add things like leverage. They will add things like derivative and futures contracts, uh, which are all publicly listed and traded, but uh, much more complex than a you know an ETF definitely or. Uh, even a, a simple mutual fund. So it sounds like then with complexity comes sophistication of investors. So I'm guessing that these types of investments are not meant for everybody. No, generally speaking, uh, what we use in Canada or, or what we use here at this firm to be able to invest in in private real estate, infrastructure, private equity, venture capital uh, tends to be uh, only for what we consider high net worth or ultra high net worth individuals. And uh, the the criteria tends to be what, what's known as accredited investor. Uh, and an accredited investor is somebody who would have uh, over a million dollars of financial assets, 
uh, or also qualify as uh, making over $200,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Now, those qualifications are, you know, sure they can qualify you to buy private real estate or or hedge funds, but to properly incorporate those into an overall 60-40 type portfolio, you tend to need substantially more assets than this to be able to add across this type of alternative asset base. Okay. So within a 60-40 asset allocation strategy, 60% being equities and 40% being bonds, this would fit in the equity bucket? It fits in both. Okay. Yeah. But let, let's just focus on the equity bucket for yep. a minute. Um, it wouldn't be 60%. You wouldn't be 60% in alternative investments. You would be some percentage of the 60. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we we clearly have room for uh, a variation on the 60-40 where you're still buying ETFs uh, and mutual funds or direct stocks and, and bonds and complementing that with a... Uh, a share of the portfolio being allocated across the asset classes that, that I brought up. That, that number can vary tremendously. Uh, if we look at it uh, 20, 25 years ago when pensions and endowments started doing this type of work, they, you know, they, they trickled into it. They had 5 10% allocations, and now the, the largest, most sophisticated smart money, as they're called, often has over 50% in, in these asset classes. Wow. Now, uh, am I suggesting that for the average high net worth individual, they, they need to skip rate to 50%? Absolutely not. Uh, what I am suggesting is that it, it would probably make a lot of sense for people to who haven't looked at these asset classes to do so and build it into the portfolio to a level that makes sense. It, it could be first a 5% allocation of the overall portfolio and eventually building it to uh, what we see in, in the high net worth space is often building it up to 25%. That tends to be uh, where where we take a lot of our high net worth portfolios. You mentioned um, pension funds and endowment funds, and and I think it would be um, interesting for investors to know that alternative investing has been a strategy that's been around for years, decades in, in the pension space. And um, Craig Bassinger had come uh, on an earlier podcast with us, and he spoke about. Um, the explosion of choice for investors, things that have changed over the years is the explosion of choice, with alternative investing being one of those choices now. So I guess it would be it would be good for investors to know that this isn't a new asset class as such. It's new to private investors, individual Absolutely. investors, but it's it's been employed in pension funds and endowment funds for years. It has, yes. Uh, and, and even sophisticated, Wealthy families have been utilizing hedge funds and private equity for for decades. Uh, it's just being able to access these asset classes has been difficult for for people who didn't have tens of millions of dollars. And, and now it's been more commoditized and we're able to access high quality products uh, even for one or two million dollar portfolios. Yeah, which is which is great for those investors that have the risk appetite to to go there. Yeah. Um, so. Explain to us, if you would, what an investor needs to know about non-traditional assets. Well, there, there's so many angles to this, and obviously it's difficult to, uh, to have an, an overarching strategy that applies both to you know, private real estate and, and private equity. Uh, no matter what, uh, as an investor, uh, once you're looking at these asset classes, 
the first things you have to realize is uh, because they're more complex, it often requires much more work mm-hmm. uh, in your due diligence. And there, there's never a free lunch. So often people come to me and say, oh, my God, the, the terms on this look absolutely unbelievable. Uh, there, there's always something that you have to give up. So in private equity or private real estate or, or private debt, uh, sure, you can, you can have often uh, higher return expectations than in public markets, but very often you're giving up liquidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you're giving up also potentially transparency, that requires you as an investor to do more work because often you can't pull up the holdings of your private equity fund simply by Googling them. Right. So that, that requires more work or the people that you're dealing with they'll have to do more work to keep up to date with these investments. I think uh, one of the key things is is not just identifying uh, a great manager within these asset classes, it's also being able to follow that manager on an ongoing basis. And that's even more crucial uh, with alternatives because it's uh, it's not a it's not being tracked on a uh, whatever website that you can go to or on Bloomberg. Uh, where you can see exactly what that mutual fund holds. Uh, to be able to to follow uh, what a private equity fund or a private debt fund does, it, it requires first hand work, it requires meetings, it requires calls with the PMs. And uh, really that's something that at this firm we've uh, we've not only pioneered, but we've, we've definitely created uh, the most robust platform in, in the Canadian space. Awesome. So uh, a couple questions then that come out of that is, um, I, I think the first question that I would have would be, so with this complexity, with the additional work, with um, the additional amount of um, uh, research that is required, are they more expensive to buy than regular, more traditional uh, types of investments? That, that's a great question. And uh, generally speaking, yes, they are. Uh, so the the management fees and and often the performance fees on these funds are are su- substantially more than obviously an ETF, uh, and that's because they're actively managed, they're capacity constrained, and uh, the strategies are are often require far more work, and, and therefore the manager deems that they should be compensated for it. So as an investor, what's very important is is really to look at what your your returns are net of fees. Uh, that that's the crucial part of this, obviously, uh, and, and the industry has really standardized itself to to report all returns back to investors net of fees. Uh, and on that basis, I always argue that you know, I even if you are getting charged an MER of you know pushing three percent in some cases, if on a risk adjusted basis you you still made ten percent. Uh, I'll, I'll take that every day over making 5% and, and only paying 20, 25 yeah. beeps. So, so one of the benefits then, the primary benefit, is that alternative, alternative investing gives you an opportunity to uh, achieve better returns than average. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually twofold. Uh, so, you know, what you look for as a whole in, in alternative investments is, is not simply the return. Obviously, you would be buying private equity and venture capital for, for the return profile of those assets. But the, the hedge fund as a whole now is is mostly driven by, by funds that are trying to de-risk portfolios. And uh, the, as a whole, when you're looking at, at alternative assets, the you know a word that's always thrown around is correlation. So th- that really defines 
uh, is the return stream of the funds you're buying diversified from the other return streams that you hold in your portfolio currently? And, and that's the crucial aspects across all these asset classes that you look at. You, you don't want to be buying a fund that will mimic the return profile of, of your other mutual funds or your other stocks. You, you want something that will be able to not only provide upside when the rest of your portfolio is suffering, but also uh, really insulate your portfolio uh, in the toughest times from losing capital. Mm -hmm. So many alternatives are now being used uh, from a risk management perspective mm -hmm. because in an 08 scenario, what assets didn't lose money? What assets made money? And in that case, if you were able to have owned those assets uh, at a time when the majority of your portfolio was suffering, you would have been able to, to generate capital through, through other assets. Uh, and th this mitigation of volatility is, is really one of the key tools in, in bringing alternatives into a portfolio. It's not simply looking for, for outsized returns. Right. And, and that's the word hedge. You're yep. hedging 100%. your portfolio, hedging your risk. Um, and in my language, if everything else is zigging, this might be zagging. That's the, that's the right? entire point. Uh, right. I would even argue that, you know, that there, there are some hedge funds out there that, you know, portray themselves as hedge funds. But when you really do your work and you dig into it, you realize that they're actually highly correlated to the stock market. So therefore, the question begs, why buy this specific, this specific fund? Mm -hmm. and, and that's why this, these asset classes require so much work. It's, uh, you really need to be able to sort through the strategies, the teams that run them, the firms that operate them, mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that, that you are getting what you think you're getting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I know that many clients who are interested in alternatives, um, such as hedge funds and uh, other types of funds, um, want to know more about socially responsible investing or otherwise known as SRI, uh, also environmental, social and governance investing, which is known as ESG. Um, so in fact, uh, SRI mandates are, are growing in popularity. What can you tell us about the opportunity in SRI and ESG, which is again, environmental, social and governance investing? Yeah, the, the entire segment of, of impact investing or SRI, ESG, uh, is, is definitely growing and specifically in the last few years within the high net worth and ultra high net worth segments. Once again, very much pushed by the pensions. Uh, certain pensions and endowments really started pushing towards uh, more socially conscious uh, and, and governance conscious investments you know, a decade ago. And, and now that's trickled its way down to, to our uh, high net worth portfolios. Uh, we we happen to be in a in a great spot at this firm because not only do we have a easily the most robust alternative platform, but that also means that now all the alternatives that are coming out that are impact and ESG conscious, we are the the first people to to look at them and and try to implement them into our portfolios. Um, it's, it's definitely grown tremendously. There was very limited offerings uh, even two, three years ago. And now we're, we're seeing many more opportunities in, in venture capital, for example, with, uh, with clean tech funds. We're, we're seeing opportunities in private equity with, once again, clean tech or renewable energy. Uh, private credit funds in Canada uh, launching a focus on, on social impact. Uh, so there, there definitely are uh, very interesting opportunities and 
And I really believe that in the next few years, this this will easily be the one of the fastest growing segments of, of the alternative world. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because as you watch, um, um, you know, the, the, the people are becoming much more aware of our environment and preserving um, our, our, our nature, our environment. And I know that um, it's a trend. It's a big trend, particularly in, in the female investors to equate doing well with doing good. And so I see that as a trend uh, that's coming up through the demographics. And I, I see that, for sure. you know, absolutely finding a home in investment portfolios. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And uh, that, that also means the flip side to that story is whenever there's anything trending in the investment space, it means that uh, you have to be very conscious about keeping your eyes still on on the ball. This is still an investment vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore not only looking at uh, at the merits of their impact or or their SRI or SEG bend, uh, and understanding that no matter what, your your due diligence is still key here. You you still have to identify strategies that make sense, investment teams that make sense, firms that make sense, because otherwise your 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 whole goal of of having an impact will go down the tube. Right. Uh, if they can't perform and, and deliver on what they're trying to do, which is still the basis of, of, of what everybody's trying to accomplish. Um, and I have noticed that specifically in this segment, people can get lost in the, in the marketing and not enough into the, into the merits of this team executing on that marketing. Right. And I guess, you know, the thing to be aware of is that charitable donation receipts are not given. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is, these are investment Absolutely. portfolios and yeah. need to be judged on the investment yeah. merits of the portfolio. No, and the wonderful thing is that, you know, there, there are teams that are seasoned for decades that are now getting into this space. And, and therefore, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming easier to find high quality investment value propositions that also have an impact and SRI and SEG bend. That's great. So how how would a client go about choosing the appropriate one for their portfolio? That's uh, well, you know, that's the million dollar question. Um, finding the port, the the alternatives that make sense for your portfolio starts with uh, doing some work around what it is you're trying to achieve a, a, as a goal. Are you trying to mitigate capital loss? Are you trying to increase alpha by and, and therefore looking at potentially private equity and venture capital? Are you looking for more income and therefore are you going to look at, at private debt? Following that, it's uh, it's making sure you you don't simply talk to the, the first fund that comes around. It's mm-hmm. uh, you, you have to work with people who, who have an unbiased, and I say that because that's extremely important, an unbiased opinion of a of the field that you're looking at and and work with them to get comfortable with with the mandates that are available and and the ones that are suited for you and that's truly something that that we bring to the table here with our team at the firm yeah and and I and I'm glad you mentioned that because it's certainly something that we have at at the firm that we we both work at um we have invested in this space and we have said that this is definitely a differentiator for us. So um, where in other bigger firms, they may, may be more risk adverse to going into this area of expertise. 
this is something that we've absolutely doubled down on and said this is an important no, and, and leg that's the of key. our stool. You know, you know, you said this firm in, invested in this, and I and I and I think that's that's the key term. The the fact is, many other firms uh, aren't willing to invest in this. It's not even a a, a risk issue. Um, many of these guys on you know the invest committee, investment committee of other firms are, are very bright and, and understand the the value of adding uncorrelated assets to a portfolio. And, and therefore mitigating risk, but it it's a large undertaking to to build out a team that has expertise within these asset classes. Right. Um, any other common myths that we haven't covered of alternative investments? I know that the biggest one is that it's risky. It, it is, and, and that's uh, that's the one that uh, I often deal with on a on a daily basis because, like I said, the fact is most of the time. High net worth families who have expansive alternative portfolios are not doing it to generate more returns. They are ge- they are doing it to not lose money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that is a fact and a, a fact that I deal with every day. Uh, so that, that's definitely a, a myth. Um, the the other one would be that you know there, there's unfortunately been stains in different asset classes. Hedge funds obviously had uh, had Bernie Madoff and. Uh, you know anybody who who knew somebody or went through that story obviously thinks of hedge funds and and correlates it to Bernie, which yeah. is uh, which is not a benefit whatsoever. And and I, I will definitely say that uh, it's basically uh, impossible uh, to to replicate what it is that he did. So that is uh, that's it's just good news. It's not something. Yeah, it is absolutely yeah. good news, and it's not something I've ever come across again. Um, like I said, most of these investments aren't swinging for the fences. Most of them are trying to preserve your capital. Uh, and also there's, while these investments are inherently not transparent, uh, and often people will use that as, well, you know, I'm, I'm very happy owning this mutual fund. I can just go online and see exactly what's being held in my mutual fund. Uh, that is something that is more difficult to do with private assets, but every legitimate firm uh, will give you transparency into their portfolio. Uh, it wasn't the case maybe 10 years ago, but it definitely is the case today. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you want to compete globally, if you want to if you want to be an institutional an institutional grade firm, you, you have to give full transparency into everything that you hold and everything that you do. And, and it's definitely something that I've been pushing for with with every single firm that we work with. Because without that, I, I don't think you, you're you're an investable uh, strategy. Right. So before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything uh, that I forgot to ask you about, or uh, no? I, any I words of advice? The 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 key takeaways is uh, is always. Proceed with caution. Uh, take advice from people who are able to deliver unbiased advice, and uh, don't be scared to roll up your sleeves. The fact is, uh, this isn't like buying an ETF. Uh, you have to get your heads wrapped around various aspects of, of all the nuances of all the different types of strategy that fall under the the alternative space. But uh, the fact is, there's there's a proven track record over the last. 15, 20 years through downturns uh, that clearly points to the fact that uh, you, you can 
you can outperform the benchmarks by quite a bit by building these into your portfolio the right way. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And, and I guess the last word that I might add is, um, you know, certainly talking to an advisor at Richardson GMP would be a great place to start. Um, because we have access to uh, great expertise that can help guide uh, a proper portfolio allocation to alternatives and hedge strategies. Yeah, absolutely. We've, uh, like I said, uh, and, and clearly some people might say I'm biased, but we've easily built the, the strongest team in, in this space uh, in Canada uh, to, to allow high net worth individuals to, to build these types of assets into their portfolios. Awesome. So, Roman, thank you for joining me today to share your expertise on this topic. If you would like to learn more about alternative investments, please visit our website or reach out to your Richardson Wealth Advisor to discuss opportunities. Remember to subscribe to Conversations on Wealth wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on LinkedIn for a broad range of information on wealth strategies. Thank you all for listening and join us again for our next conversation.